The AI Today podcast, produced by Cognolytica, cuts through the hype and noise to identify what is really happening now in the world of artificial intelligence. Learn about emerging AI trends, technologies, and use cases from Cognolytica analysts and guest experts. Hello, and welcome to the AI Today podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Mulch. And I'm your host, Ronald Schmelzer. And we have a special podcast for you today, because if you've been listening to our AI Today podcasts, well, for a long time, we love our regular listeners. You may know that we do a lot of interviews. We spend a lot of our time interviewing influencers and folks who are really moving the needle forward on AI adoption. But we also spend a lot of our time looking at trends and spending time looking at research and analysis that we do at Cognolytica. And in this special AI Today podcast, we're actually going to look at some of the research that we have been doing in this area of ethical AI. And for those of you that are new to uh, this AI Today podcast, you might not know that we have over four years and in almost 200 episodes of AI Today podcast. So we encourage you to go back and listen to those other podcasts as we do spend a lot of our time explaining some of the key insights into AI and the cognitive technology markets and how different industries are applying AI and emerging technologies in AI and machine learning. But of course, as I mentioned, this is a special podcast because we're going to dive into some of our research. And it's also special because we are joined on this podcast by Megan Yarbrough, who is a research associate here at Cognolytica. Hi, Megan. Thank you for joining us on the AI Today podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Megan Yarbrough, and I'm very excited to be here with you all today. We're so excited to present this research to everybody today. AI ethics is a critical topic that organizations adopting or building AI systems really should be considering if they aren't already. And in this recent research, Cognolytica analyzed over 60 ethical AI frameworks. And these were produced by various different people, including government organizations, corporations, multinational groups, nonprofits and other groups as well. And while we were, you know, really going through these 60 ethical AI frameworks, we learned a lot about the state of those AI ethics frameworks. And we've also produced some insights that we want to use and we want to talk about today so that it can help whether you're a builder, a user, or a participant in the AI ecosystem, really get a better understanding of what these ethical frameworks mean some of the areas that they shine, some areas that they're lacking, and how to compare them because it's not always apples to apples. So that's what we'll be spending the time today really digging into. So a few caveats uh, before we get into this topic in detail. The first one is that, you know, as you know, Cognolytica, we are analysts and we focus on what's happening in the market. We spend a lot of our time looking at adoption and use cases around AI. We are not ethicists and uh, we, therefore we haven't been, you know, we don't come from that perspective of being technology ethicists. Um, and so that's one important caveat. The second thing is that as many things are with AI, terminology is just pretty imprecise. A lot of terms are often conflicting. That's the problem with the English language and honestly most languages, that these terms have many meanings, that they can be interpreted many different ways. And so you might see some term that you're like, wait a second, I don't think about that term from that perspective. And you know, that, that happens. <laughs> That's the place that we are with AI and ethics. Uh, there is no widespread consensus. Uh, there's no like agreed upon standards or for terminology or definition. Uh, maybe in the fields of ethics, there may be some agreement on terms, but that does not apply necessarily to the area of AI ethics uh, specifically. And then also the boundaries between these concepts are fuzzy. You know, what 
we may define as this term may overlap with what is thought of as another term. And that just happens. Um, and also many of these concepts, ethics are cultural and context specific. And you may think of something like freedom and diversity and things like that from one perspective, and it might mean something else in another language or another culture. Uh, the only reason why we mention all these things is to understand that we are basically presenting these topics from our perspective as analysts, but also a lot of the people who have put together these ethics frameworks themselves aren't necessarily ethicists either. And so as a result, a lot of times when they've come up with it, they've come up with it from their perspectives as technologists, as researchers, as corporate folks, as government agency officials, as nonprofit people, and, and they're trying to make sense of this ethics world as well. So just a little bit of caveats and insight for you. Exactly. Just to frame this. Now, when we talk about artificial intelligence, you know, a lot of people talk about fears that they have around AI and concerns that they have around AI. It's important to address both. Fears can be more emotional. Uh, maybe they're not always rational. They're not based in fact, but they're real fears that people have. And so it's important that these frameworks address both fears and concerns. So some fears that people have are that intelligent systems will take over the world or that robots will take my job. And despite, you know, statistics and figures saying otherwise, people fear and have and just feel that robots may take their job. So it's something that needs to be addressed. They also fear that they'll lose control over privacy and data that there might be too few data in the hands of too few companies or individuals or organizations or governments, and that they may live in a surveillance state. You know, we do not want to feel like we, like Big Brother is watching all the time. And some people also fear that robots will just kill them. You know, they might not understand robots, and so they're just afraid that they will kill them. Then we have concerns. And concerns are, you know, more rooted maybe in truth or facts. Um, and so, the, but these are something that we also need to address and not to say that one is more important than the other. Uh, so some concerns people have around AI is that there may be a lack of transparency in algorithmic decision-making. Also, people are concerned that bad actors do bad things with AI, either they have or they will in the future. Also, we have these AI systems that are vulnerable to tampering with and data security issues. You know, there's some real concerns around that. Also, systems are susceptible to bias. Another concern we have is that laws are just not keeping up with technology. With any emerging technology, I think that this is the case, and it's particularly true for artificial intelligence. We always talk about cell phones and the usage of cell phones and laws and regulations that just did not keep up with the use of the uh, cell phone technology, where for many years after phones were introduced, you were able to talk holding a phone before people realized that, you know, distracted driving really is a thing and we needed to build laws around that. It can also be, uh, you know, laws aren't keeping up yet because we need to see how this technology is really being used and kind of not putting the cart before the horse and making sure that we're not building laws that people then just work around. Also, people, you know, say, can, how can I really trust these AI systems? It's a real concern that they have. So we want to make sure that we're addressing and tackling both these fears and concerns. 
So in this context of the fears and concerns, um, we want to put together some sort of framework that those who are building AI systems or perhaps those who are buying AI systems or using AI systems or maybe even just people regulating. There's a lot of people that are in this universe of AI that want to put some control over these AI systems so that our fears don't become reality and our concerns are just unaddressed. We need to address these concerns. And so, you know, generally the perspective of ethics is it's right versus wrong. You know, the idea of ethics is to help us separate these concepts of right versus wrong. And one of the terms that we got from uh, one of the other ethical frameworks is this idea that AI ethics is a set of values, principles, and techniques that employ widely adapted, accepted standards of right and wrong to guide moral conduct in the development and use of AI technologies. Now, the challenge with that is that it doesn't actually, it says it's defining the word with the same word, uh, that it doesn't actually tell us what right or wrong is, and also uh, you know, what exactly is right or wrong. And it turns out that it's not just you know bad people or bad machines doing bad things. It's actually a, quite a few things. You know, on the one side, we are concerned about just bad machines. You know, machines that do things that we don't like. You know, whether it's threatening our lives, threatening freedom, threatening control that we have over ourselves or others. You know, threatening our dignity. You know, threatening the environment or just in general not being in the best interests of humanity. And you might think of Skynet as sort of the ultimate bad machine. You know, uh, you know from Terminator. And it's kind of creepy because if you look at that logo from Skynet, it'll tell you that it's like neural net-based artificial <laughs> intelligence. That is kind of scary because that is what we are talking about these days. But we're also concerned about bad people doing bad things. You know, bad people, they could be violating laws. They could be criminals or they could be nation states that may be doing things that they should not be doing. Uh, we're concerned about people violating our trust or violating our privacy, you know, doing using AI systems to violate our lives and our freedom, put people in jail. There's all sorts of things that we don't like, you know, and we don't want just, you know, the machines might be okay, but the people might not be. So we want to have rules that, that control that. And then also in general, even if we're doing ethical things and we have good people with good intentions, we might have bad practices, you know, through carelessness or through other things, we just lack of of being aware, we may have lack of safety or lack of accountability, machines that don't have someone in control of them, you know, uh, or we have a lack of positive purpose. Somebody's built an AI system and somehow this one little thing that someone thought was just going to be like a game or a toy has ended up in production. We're like, how the heck did that happen? You know, <laughs> these things do happen, right? Uh, you know, there's also like a lack of care for the workforce uh, that may happen. People may not be intending to, you know, destroy uh, ecosystems of uh, workers or not, but it may happen. And so we might need to have some controls over this. And I think the final sort of area of concern we have is this idea that we don't have really have as much visibility as we want to into these systems that we are entrusting with decision-making. So we have limited visibility into data and the processes, the things that went into building those systems. We have limited ability to even disclose, am I using an AI system? People may not be aware of it. Um, you know, also consent. Do I have the right to say I, I don't want to use an AI system or have any control of it? I have limited visibility into how these algorithms behave. Some of these algorithms that we're using really don't have much in the way of explainability. They just can tell you some numbers, but that doesn't tell you much as to how the decision was made. And we also even have a certain extent where the systems themselves, because it's probabilistic, they may not give the same results each and every time. And if they don't, it's like, well, 
how much better is it than randomness? Well, hopefully it's better than a random system, but it, but we need some way of having repeatability and consistency in our processes. And actually, this is really the full scope. When we're thinking about ethics of right versus wrong, we need to think about the full scope of all of this. Right. So th- there's been some, you know, inspiration from the past. The movie I, Robot that came out in 1942 had three laws. And so the first law was a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Okay. The second law was that a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And then the third law says a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Okay, you know, great that we were thinking about this, but it was science fiction. It came from a movie and it clearly isn't enough. It's not comprehensive enough, you know, nearly comprehensive enough in today's modern age to really dig into where we need to be Mm. with the systems that we have. Yep. Well, actually, iRobot was a science fiction book, but definitely turned into a movie at some point. But we have seen these in movies anyway. So, so even if we haven't seen here, we've, there actually is that movie AI that talks about this as well and the Terminator and all that sort of stuff. So <laughs> there's certainly quite a bit of science fiction out there uh, for those that want to track it. But iRobot was Isaac Asimov. I think he had done some of that first work in in sort of these rules of robots. And it's not enough because we just talked about all these situations where just no, do no harm is not enough be, uh, to, to really help us out in situations where we're depending on algorithms to make decisions. You know, when an algorithm is deciding whether or not you should be approved for a loan or, you know, get accepted to a job interview, is it doing harm? Is it not doing harm? Well, this is where we need to, to look at the full scope here. So in the full scope, really these ethics principles we found tend to group themselves into these five areas, right? And these five areas focus on the one hand, one end of the spectrum, these societal ethic issues, which is like things that are good for society, right? You know, not harming people and just being a good citizen, bias and, you know, avoiding bias and being diverse and being fair and all this sort of stuff. These are things that guide what we should or should not be doing. Moral codes, you can think of them as guidelines, you know, religious principles. There's a lot of places where we get our societal ethics from, right? But even if you're doing things that are sort of ethically okay from the societal perspective, we may still be doing things that may not be responsible uses of that technology. So we have a whole other category of ethics that really focuses on just being careful and you know, either avoiding misuse or malicious use or even accidental use, violating safety, security, and privacy, all these sorts of things. We need to be, be careful with these things. Usually the guidelines for responsible use are, are not moral codes, but they're usually regulations and laws, honestly. They're like, you know, yes, you can drive a car. Ethically, it's acceptable to drive a car, but it's not responsible to drive a car if you're three years old or if you're intoxicated. These are not responsible uses of that technology, right? In addition to that, we have another set of ethical concerns that have to do with transparency and visibility because people don't like interacting with things that they don't know where it's coming from. You don't like walking into a store and them saying, oh, I'm not going to serve you coffee. Why? Well, machine said don't serve you coffee. That would probably make you pretty upset, right? 
Um, these are issues of visibility and transparency that we have to do. That the whole system we call these systemic ethical issues, which is how is the system being ethical? And we usually know things are being transparent by assessing them. Do we have visibility into this? Is there is this being recorded? Is this is there being monitored? You know, do we have any sort of visibility into this stuff? That brings us to the fourth category of ethical framework principles, which has to do with governance. And governance is like if you think about the word governance is like government. You know, what do governments do? Well, they do more than just you know create laws and regulations. They have to enforce them. They have to facilitate your lives. You know, if you want to get a driver's license, they have to follow the process and a procedure. You have fire. You have ambulance. You have hospitals. You have you have you know educational institutions, you have utilities. These are things that governments do, and they do that by basically providing processes and controls and predictable patterns, right? So for governance of AI, we want predictability too. We want to have methods that we can audit the systems, measure them, regulate them, guide them, secure them, providing the process. And we encode those in the idea of practices and processes. So we want to have ethical, to contribute to the idea of ethics is not just to have good ideas. We need to have processes in place that allow us to accomplish those goals. Finally, we have this idea of the algorithms themselves need to provide some sort of explanation or interpretability or some sort of understanding because these are probabilistic systems. They won't necessarily give you the results that you expect. And so from an ethics perspective, we need to have what's called, these are the technical issues of it. How is the system going to, if the system has declined you for a loan, right, and I've everything else fits, I need to understand why the system did that because maybe there is an issue with the data or that something, you know, and we need to know what that something was. Yeah, so we analyzed over 60 national, organizational, and corporate ethical AI frameworks. And what we found was a little bit of everything. It was mostly a mishmash of ethical concepts. A lot of the words that they use don't match the ethical concepts that they're talking about. Um, there's no ethical, comprehensive ethical AI frameworks that we found, none that have everything that we're going to be talking about today. Um, you can see the gaps in these ethical AI frameworks when you compare them up next to each other, and they're really eye-opening. You can see what's wrong and what's missing. Um, and it's a mix of recommendations for technology users as well as technology creators. But we analyzed all of them, we normalized this terminology, and we compared them against each other. So there were nine main elements that we found with societal ethics, and they were human values. So these are machine-based systems should exhibit the same values that we have as humans, specifically do no harm. You know, we don't want these systems to have different values from our own. Dignity was another one. So these AI systems should treat humans we should not be treating humans as machines, treat us as humans. Uh, another concept and element was fairness. So AI systems should not favor one group over another. Diversity and inclusion, AI systems should be built for and incorporate data from the breadth of humanity. Make sure that you have uh, you know, diverse representation and try to include everybody or as many you know, people, groups, categories that you can. Also bias and discrimination. AI systems should not further bias or discrimination. It should not be built off you know, those principles. Mm -hmm. The other things that we found as common elements for social ethics 
in these AI ethics frameworks with this idea of freedom and agency, which is that we don't want AI systems that will limit our human choice. Um, you know, whether by intent, you know, uh, you know, just saying, no, I will not let you choose that movie <laughs> on Netflix or something, or by just by elimination, like not showing things. And people are concerned that AI systems will slowly take away our freedom of choice. The other idea is this uh, idea of human benefit, which is that we want AI systems that really benefit as as much of humanity as possible. We don't want these like secret AI systems that benefit a small group of people um, there's a lot of issues, as we were talking about earlier, in these fears of like, uh, you know, a lot of data in the hands of a few people or, you know, there's, there is concern about that. Separate to that is the idea of human control. We want humans to be in control of the AI systems. We don't want AI systems that will operate without our control, go out of control. This idea of the superintelligence and, you know, AI systems that have no kill switch, you know, this is a concern, right? And finally, this was an interesting observation that we had that we weren't expecting this when we went and did our analysis, but we found that many of the ethical frameworks are concerned about the AI's respect of the environment. Um, not just people do no harm to people. They're concerned about AI systems that will do harm to the environment. And you might think, okay, that's kind of a, you know, a hopeful little thing to put on it. But, you know, there are actually, there was just announced uh, recently, there's this uh, interesting weeding robot that'll, you know, go and weed these robots and they use this laser to, uh, you know, attack all these weeds, which is cool. But like, you can imagine many science fiction movies that kind of go like the, the, a, the weeding robot that goes crazy and starts killing everything, you know. Um, people are concerned about wrecking the environment. So we got to make sure that when we build ethical systems, not only does it not harm people, it shouldn't just be carving holes into mountains and things like that. Right? <laughs> I know. You know, actually, when we when we reviewed that, I also thought about invasive plants and species as well and how, you know, it, the system should be aware enough to know what region it's in and say, okay, these plants are invasive in this region or these animals are invasive in the, these regions, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in our evaluation, um, when we were looking at stacking these uh, frameworks up against each other, we found that they were both missing and included various principles related to societal ethics. So, for example, Canada's uh, Montreal Declaration for Responsible Development of Artificial Intelligence was very complete in regards to societal ethics, um, especially when you combine it with the other two Canadian efforts. Uh, Microsoft, their Responsible AI Principles, these were actually surprisingly a very strong ethical framework because they not only provided the principles themselves, but also the methods to ensure their application. When we look at China, their development of responsible artificial intelligence, they use some unusual terminology such as harmony and friendship, share responsibilities, tolerance and sharing, fairness and justice. Um, and some of these we think are probably due to cultural differences. And then when we look at the USA um, Department of Defense, the Jake, the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center, um, these ethical principles for artificial intelligence were actually surprisingly weak when it came to societal ethics. They only really included um, equitable, which is bias, and then governable, which is uh, human control. Yeah. 
So some cool, uh, interesting insights uh, and analysis, and maybe unexpected <laughs> on some of these. Good for Canada on some of that. Uh, but we can all learn from these, these frameworks. I think this is a situation of international cooperation. So separate from this idea of societal ethics, we said, okay, great. Let's just separate right versus wrong. We want systems that are fair, no bias, you know, ha have diversity, you know, don't destroy people or the environment. Great. We still need to do these things in, in a responsible way. And you may be familiar with the book by Kathy O'Neill called Weapons of Math Destruction, which is not really even really specific to AI, but it talks about the fact that big data and algorithms are, are sort of threatening our ability uh, for people to have control over themselves and their lives. And they have consequences. You know, algorithms have consequences. And I think the idea with responsible AI is really just because we can do something doesn't mean that we should do it or we need to do it the right way. You know, how do we, can we use AI systems that doesn't violate people's trust? How can we avoid misusing AI, either intentionally or unintentionally? Don't abuse the technology. You know, and you can think about this idea of ethical versus responsible when you think of specific use cases. For example, facial recognition. On its own, facial recognition is ethically, well, neutral because it's neither good nor bad. It's not, you know, like destroying people. It's just facial recognition. We can use facial recognition in responsible ways, you know, uh, captioning in photos and Facebook, unlocking your phone with the, you know, an Apple. That's these are okay. Nothing wrong with unlocking your phone with your face. It's nice, you know. But there's irresponsible uses of facial recognition too. People talk about the use of facial recognition in various policing situations where you're trying to identify people based on their face, knowing full well that facial recognition systems are far from accurate. In other situations, you know, uh, you know, detecting whether or not you're asleep in your car. There's some issues with that. Also, the same thing, algorithms, using algorithms for decision-making. We can use them in very responsible ways. We want to use algorithms to, to make decisions, to help us speed up, you know, our processes, more, applying for a mortgage. You know, we don't need to have people in the loop for all this. But there are irresponsible ways of using algorithms for decision-making. There's also this idea of, of user profiles. Yes, People want user profiles. People want to have, like, you know, go onto Amazon or whatever, and they want to know what their preferences are like, and they want to be able to make recommendations. But there's that uncanny valley of data, that creepy valley, where you start recording too much information. People, you know, just because it says, okay, I see you woke up at 8.10 this morning. You were a little late this morning. Maybe I should prescribe for you some... No, that's that's creepy. So, uh, the, so we have this. This gets into this idea of responsible use of AI, and so a lot of the ethical frameworks talk about many of these guidelines that help us ensure that AI has these guardrails. Right. So we've observed, you know, eight main responsible AI elements that these frameworks have. One was a positive purpose. So these AI systems must be built for a positive purpose. And you can say, okay, well, this seems somewhat straightforward, but really it's don't do AI for AI's sake. We always say that at Cognolytica. Do AI for a purpose. Make sure that it's helping to solve some, you know, business problem or societal problem. And it's really, it has a, a positive purpose as its end goal. Also safety and security. This also should go without saying, but it's a common element. AI systems should be safe and secure. Yes, please. Uh, trust is another one. AI systems should not violate human trust or cause people to mistrust entities. Earlier, Ron brought up that uncanny valley of data. And when you use when you lose a user's trust, it is incredibly hard to gain it back, as some companies that have lost trust can attest to. So you really want to make sure that these systems have the trust of the people that are using it. 
Also, because if they don't have trust, then they just won't be used. Human accountability was another element that we saw, and that human individuals should be identified, uh, you know, as to who is responsible. So is this one individual? Is this a group of individuals? Is this a role? But that should be identified, and then they should be held accountable for the behavior and operation of the AI systems. Who is accountable can be different, but it should be identified. Mm -hmm. So um, that brings us to the to the next common element that we've seen, of course, is privacy. We talked about this a few times. You know, we should AI systems should not violate privacy. They should honor privacy regulations and laws across the world. They should not be used to impose statewide surveillance. Uh, you know, that makes people very uncomfortable. Sort of the second major element, of course, is this idea of misuse and abuse and compliance with the laws. Obviously, it goes without saying that we should not cre create AI systems that have any criminal intent or non-law-abiding purpose, or even use AI to circumvent laws and regulations. They could say, oh, I didn't do this. The machine did it on its own. I didn't make that decision. The machine decided to you know, transfer this money and do these things like, nah, this goes back to that human accountability point. You can't point at the machine and say the machine did it, right? Uh, machines are trained with data. They are not sentient. At least they shouldn't be at this point. Then we shouldn't have this issue. Sort of uh, along with that is this idea of lethal autonomous weapons. And we actually spend a little bit of time. We'll talk about this later when we talk about our Cognolytica uh, ethics framework that we put together. But this goes with both physical warfare and cyber warfare that we should not try to create autonomous systems that make their own decisions for killing people or attacking infrastructure because we've seen enough movies to know how that story ends. It never ends well. Um, and then finally, uh, this idea of workforce disruption. We shouldn't, AI systems should not be built as either a primary purpose or even as an accidental secondary purpose, the destruct wholesale destruction of economies and jobs and things like that. Um, you know, these are not responsible uses of AI technology. So when it came to the responsible AI ethics, when we were looking at these frameworks and comparing them, we found that the AI for people framework um, was the most complete when it came to the responsible AI principles. Um, multinational and organization efforts did beat out country efforts, which really means that countries are probably not paying enough attention to responsible AI uses, especially around what Ron was just talking about with um, weapons. Um, and with workforce disruption, we found that um, some, some governments, organizations were very concerned about this. India, in particular, was very concerned about workforce disruption, but still only a few really talked about this. Um, and then we have the NSF program on fairness in artificial intelligence in collaboration with Amazon, which isn't really an ethical AI framework, but it definitely could be. And that one was um, definitely lacking in responsible AI principles as well. So this brings us to the next set of concerns. So assuming that we've followed these ethical and responsible guidelines, we still have issues of transparency. And transparency relates to trust, which is even if you tell me that the system was built ethically and with all these responsible things, how can I take you for your word? Um, you know, people are, are have like now have a hard time believing institutions that they used to believe before. And really what AI transparency is, is this idea of having visibility into all the aspects that went into building and constructing this AI system so that users can understand the full context of how the AI system is built and used. You know, how can I know what's, what's uh, going into it so I can trust it? Do I have disclosure? Do I have consent? 
Now, this, I, this word transparency is one of those English words that unfortunately has a wide variety of meanings. And what you might find if you do your own analysis and research into these ethics frameworks, that the word transparency is often used to describe the algorithm part, which is, do I have algorithmic transparency, which is, how is this algorithm making decisions? How did it come to its conclusions? That is incredibly important. We will most definitely talk about that. But we talk about that in the context of explainability or interpretability or understandability, these are words, which have to do more with the algorithm, which is how is the algorithm coming to its decisions. But separate from that is that, okay, great, I may be able to, you may not even be able to have an algorithm that, does, that gives explanation, but I still need transparency because it turns out everything else matters just as much or maybe even more than how the algorithm came to its decision. And that's what we call the systemic transparency. It's about the data and the decisions that were made into configuring the system and how the data is flowing into the, into the AI system, how it's being flowed out, you know, how, how are, are we combining this AI model with other things? You know, we need to have this visibility. One note is that um, very recently there was this uh, publication uh, that said that the ImageNet, so if you're familiar with ImageNet, it is a uh, large data set that has been traditionally used for computer vision. Actually, one of the, the first breakthrough uses of AI was um, deep learning was uh, was was evaluated against ImageNet and had this fantastic um, accuracy rate in doing detection and classification of images, which is one of the categories for ImageNet. Um, but uh, one of the things that found about this ImageNet data set, which is widely used, is that there are errors in it, surprise Surprisingly, the test set has a label error rate of 5.8%. And if you use this, it would have identified a deer in an image as a magpie. Um, that's not an, uh, like an exaggeration. It had uh, mushrooms that were labeled as spoons, frogs labeled as cats, a high note from Ariana Grande was labeled as a whistle. This has nothing to do with the algorithm. The algorithm can say, I could tell you why I labeled this image as a magpie, even though clearly it's a deer. It's because the data was wrong. So if we didn't have, if we didn't, if we imagine we couldn't even see the training data, we would not know. We'd be like, there's something crazy about this algorithm. Something went wrong. Like, no, no, no. It's the data. It had nothing to do with the algorithm is fine. Your hyperparameter configurations are great. It's the data. And, and, and so that was the issue. So, um, this gets into these issues, broader issues of transparency that really makes systems more ethical. Right. You know, we always say you want to start with good, clean data. And in this case, it's not, uh, you know, but and if you don't have transparency, you don't know. So we found that there were four main elements when it came to this, you know, AI systemic transparency. The first one was that systems should provide visibility into the data and the components of the systems with their configuration and you know, use it to generate results. And that humans and our human decisions on the operation, versioning, development, and use of these AI systems should be disclosed and open. So we want to make sure that we have systems that are transparent and then the humans behind those systems, we need to know what they're doing as well. And then also bias measurement and mitigation. AI systems should provide a means to constantly measure bias of various sources and provide means to mitigate any bias detected. Now, detecting bias can be difficult, and we know that, and I think that anybody who works in the field knows that, but you want to make sure that you're trying to measure it and mitigate it somehow. So having these ethical frameworks in place will help companies and anybody that adopts this at least be mindful of that. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things to consider about these ethical frameworks is that we're not saying that these are 
easy things to implement, or even that you can, in some instances, implement them. It's just that when you build a framework, you should tell people what you're doing here. That's this is all about disclose. This is about telling people what you're doing. That's what an ethical framework is saying. You could say, yes, we've built a machine learning system for doing loan evaluation. You could see the data that we've trained on here. If you can, if that that data is private, you could say, look, here are the ways in which we have decided we're going to detect bias. We're going to compare it against historical things. We, there's a variety of ways. And if we detect bias and you happen to be impacted by this, we will give you a way to, con you know, that is what people want. You may not be able to solve the problem technically, but but people want to know, are you thinking about it? Are you, what is your approach? And that's what these frameworks are here to help with. Same thing on uh, systemic transparency. People want open systems. Look, you know, building your own algorithms is great if you're like a researcher in an academic institution, but maybe it's not so great if you're an insurance company hacking together your own algorithm. Maybe it's better for you to be using open systems. So <laughs> oh, the idea is that, you know, the most ethical frameworks should use open source technology that has been vetted, that people can see the source code for, uh, with a mechanism that people understand how that works. And if there's a problem or a bug, you know, other people can find it, you know, report it, that kind of thing. And then related to this idea is this idea of disclosure and consent. And that is that in a transparent system, organizations should disclose when AI systems are being used and when humans are interacting with those AI systems. That's disclosure. And consent. AI systems should provide a means by which humans may be able to opt out or consent out of interaction with AI systems or being included in AI models or otherwise being impacted by the AI system and not be punished for it or penalized for opting out. And this may turn out to be increasingly more difficult. So we have to keep an eye on how companies are providing disclosure and consent because a lot of times they're doing neither. They're not telling you when you're interacting with the AI system and they're giving you no way to opt out of it. So big mystery there. That's lack of transparency, right? Yes, absolutely. So when we were comparing frameworks for systemic transparency, um, some of the insights that we found were that uh, many of these ethics frameworks talk about total AI system visibility and transparency, but we don't really talk about a way to measure this. Um, another thing is the corporate ethical AI frameworks were mostly missing systemic AI transparency. They were missing disclosures and consent, visibility into system operations, measurement of bias, and open systems. Um, for the academic area of ethical AI frameworks, we're most concerned about openness, as Ron said. So these frameworks were generally looking at openness in research, openness in data, shared platforms, and also systemic AI transparency. The United States DOD Jake, their ethical principles for artificial intelligence, is completely absent of any systemic transparency principles whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes makes you think. I know, right? You know, mm -hmm. DOD and also companies as well. You know, there may be they may have reasons that they don't want to build systems where you know people can opt out of letting an AI make a decision for them. <laughs> um, that might have been on purpose why it was not in there. Yeah, so one of the things that we have actually done as part of our work here at Cognolytica, and one of these factors of transparency, not all of them, is just the, the, the systemic transparency part, 
is, is we've created a way for organizations who are producing models to basically provide, when they provide a model, their own assessment. We call it a model assessment, a transparency assessment across five factors. Or they can say, like, here's a model that you can use, but I want to give you reason to trust this model. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you on these five factors how much transparency I'm going to give you. Now, keep in mind, this isn't a score. This is just a self-assessment. You could say, look, um, for uh, data sources, data sources, I will let you see all the data sources. So on, from one to five, you have complete visibility into that data set. Um, maybe I'm using deep learning algorithms. You're not going to get a lot of explainability there. Sorry about that. But I will let you see kind of how I've selected the data that's going to go into it. Maybe I'll let you know how I'm actually going about continuously versioning this model and data set. So this is, a, this is really a system by which people, when you're giving a model, it's not just a total black box. You can say, use the model, don't use the model. You can also say, you know, here's the model and the data sets and the data uh, selection method. That gives you a little more confidence, even if you're still getting results that you might be scratching your head about, you could say, well, maybe let's look at this data and <laughs> see exactly. if there's a problem with the data. Or maybe the data doesn't match your situation. You'd be like, oh, okay, I'm doing like, you know, I'm recognizing ships in the ocean, but the data set only works if there's less than 30% cloud cover. And, you know, that's the problem I'm having, right? Exactly. But if there's you know, visibility into that, then you can see. Also, what's important about this, it's it's a self-assessment. So, you know, there's some interpretation that can be done here, uh, which is why we're saying it's not a score and it doesn't mean it's good or bad. It's just how much visibility you have. Where this becomes important is that as people go from building to consuming models, they most likely are not going to know much that went into building that model, whether it's internally, uh, one organization to another organization or externally. So maybe internally you can say, well, I will disclose the data source and you can see all that when it's internally, but when it's an external usage, I won't. And so scores can be different that way as well. Again, it doesn't mean one is better or worse. It's just how much transparency and visibility you have into the way that the model was built. And that's why, you know, we're continuing to push this forward at because it is important that there is some, you know, assessment that is being done. So within the AI governance, there was six main elements that we saw as a common theme. The first one was system auditability. The AI systems should provide ways to audit all aspects of operation and behavior. This is really important. You know, make sure that you're building a system that's able to be audited and you can have visibility into that. Contestability as well. AI systems need to provide ways to contest or appeal decisions for human review. You know, Ron gave that example. I walk into my local coffee shop and it says, hey, you can't have coffee. And I'm like, well, you know, coffee is my favorite drink, so I really want some. And they're like, sorry, can't have it. And you're like, why? Well, I want to at least have a human tell me. It's like, sorry, you don't have any shoes. We don't serve customers with no shoes. All right, fine. I'll go put my shoes on. But, you know, if I didn't have a way to contest that, I wouldn't know. Now, you can joke that this is a little, you know, coffee shop uh, example, but there can be real world uh, implications even to stores not serving customers. And think about on that broader scale where we're having real society impacts. Another area is risk assessment and mitigation. Organizations need established methods to assess ongoing risk to AI systems. 
and identified means to mitigate those risks. So just make sure that you're able to assess what risks are out there and then, you know, ways to lessen that Mm -hmm. if possible. Again, these are frameworks. These are not, you know, saying exactly how to do it, but as an organization, you're going to have to think about that. Yeah. And you have to remember, these are the governance principles, which, which really have to do with practices and procedures and policies. It's, it's sort of like, it's, it's like, you know, have a method in place, have something in place. It could be a terrible one. Your contestability policy might be like, sorry, machine decisions, final, stick it. But if you're telling people that, then you as a customer, before you walk into that automated coffee store can say, ooh, this, I could see here, it says machine, all machine decisions are final, no <laughs> contestability. Maybe I don't go in there. This is one of those things. Like you know, sometimes saying something is, is the answer. You don't have to solve every problem. So this goes into some other uh, governance things, which have to do with practices and procedures, one of which has to do with system monitoring quality. Are you going to continue to measure? So, you know, you need to be responsible for your system. So you need to have a way to continue to monitor and measure your AI systems to make sure they're always operating in acceptable performance, usage, and other parameters. AI systems should are not set it and forget it systems. Um, as our friends from Microsoft will tell you about the chat, the, the you know, Twitter chat bot, you know, setting it and forgetting it was probably their biggest mistake they made. You know, <laughs> Years <laughs> um, later, we still talk about it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Cautionary tale. Um, so you should have a process by which you're like, yeah, we're monitoring this thing, you know, daily, hourly, week, whatever the whatever the method is, right? Education and training. This is interesting because it's not something we had thought. You know, when we were doing this ethics frameworks, we're like, you know, training. We didn't think was going to be an ethical principle, but it turns out that many organizations don't want people who are building AI systems or implementing AI systems to not know how they work. And so a lot of ethical AI frameworks tell us that they want their AI systems, people who are involved in their creation, or used to be trained in their proper development and use. It's sort of like, you know, if you're going to use construction equipment, um, you know, a bulldozer, they're not going to say, here are the keys, you know, <laughs> knock yourself out, quite literally. They're going to be like, maybe. Learn on the job. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, people are doing that with AI. And as crazy as it sounds, people are doing this with AI, like, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, computer vision system, you know, knock yourself out. Right. So um, there are concerns about that. People are saying we do need to have some basic level of training and knowledge. And then finally, on a governance perspective, there are those saying that the most ethical AI systems are the ones that have some third party providing some sort of certification or compliance or or some thir- third party audit. Obviously, the more critical the system is to people's livelihoods and, and well-being, the more that we probably should have somebody else. Um, providing some sort of oversight. We shouldn't trust that organization uh, that they're doing things the right way. Now, of course, there's a whole lot of complication in that, but if you have a govern- an ethical framework that says that you're going to allow your system to be externally regulated, certified, managed, that does give people more confidence than the one that says we're not letting anybody take a look at it. So again, this is from a framework perspective. Yeah, so when we looked at the AI governance um, ethical principles in these frameworks. Um, what we found was that Canada's directive on automated decision make- making, which we actually mentioned earlier, was very um, comprehensive when it came to the societal ethics, actually addressed almost all of the points in the AI governance as well. Um, the European Union, uh, various efforts, uh, they spent a lot of time talking about regulation, certification, third-party credentialing, or accountability, which I don't think is a surprise to anybody. Um, 
when it came to an informed workforce or education and training, um, that came up quite frequently in a lot of these um, ethical frameworks. And then the other one is when we talk about bias um, in the societal ethics, there's very little governance on how we're going to measure this. I believe it was only two frameworks actually mentioned that they had um, a way to, or you should make sure that you are measuring bias and a way to actually evaluate that. Right. So, um, and that's important because, you know, governance helps you, um, you know, address these shortcomings of AI systems because they do have shortcomings and, there's some really interesting and funny ones uh, <laughs> of shortcomings of AI systems. You know, obviously, um, you know, when you have algorithms that tell you to do things, you got to exercise a little bit of common sense because, you know, algorithms, you know, they're still computers. They make mistakes. You know, if a GPS is telling you to turn right and you're going right into a lake, uh, you know, may have seen that episode from the office. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, use a little bit of common sense. But you know, the funny thing is like, there are these sad stories of people who have like trusted their GPS and ended up in like in the middle of a desert or, or driving off a cliff or something. And it's like, it's like, you know, that's, that has to do with human fail failability. Honestly, actually there was that, that very recent um, news story about how uh, there was that incident with the Tesla drivers, you know, mm -hmm. uh, supposedly setting full, full self-driving and one of them was in the passenger seat, one of them was in the back seat or something like that. And of course it crashed into a tree. Now, Elon Musk right now, as of the recording of this webinar, of this session here, are really, you know, as um, denying that there was ever any automated, you know, the system wasn't really turned on, which kind of makes you wonder, you know, okay, well, if it wasn't turned on, what, that's just, How is it driving yeah, in general? Like, it's scary, yeah, I know. It's a little weird. <laughs> but um, regardless of that, it's more like about a disconnect between what people are expecting the system can do and what the system is actually capable of, maybe it's marketing hype, whatever. Anyway, for ethical AI frameworks, if we're going to be trusting these algorithms to make decisions, we need some explainability. We need some way for the system to tell us you know, how it arrived at its conclusion, even if it was faulty. That's okay for the machine to be faulty. It should just tell us how it became faulty, right? There is these, um, a great example of the uh, uh, adversarial attacks on AI systems. Somebody basically uh, had this turtle and used it to fool a very common um, computer vision system, made it look like a, a rifle or made it detect as a rifle, classify as a rifle. Mm -hmm. Misclassification because it was taking advantage of of sort of the something in in the way the neural net was trained, and without knowing exactly why, it's hard to prevent not only that attack but other attacks because you don't know you just don't know how how vulnerable your system is until somebody finds it and takes advantage of it. So. Right. Algorithmic explainability is very difficult. Um, that's the the uh, truth, and especially neural nets, they're just not very uh, explainable. But you have other algorithms you can choose that are more explainable, but maybe not as performant. Um, so there's the sort of like the secondary level, which is called interpretability, which is not quite explainability. Um, and that has to do with more like, well, can I at least figure out what the factors are that went into the way that this output was generated from the inputs? And then we have another level, which is more about understandability or root cause analysis or failure analysis, which is what went into, what can I give somebody who is not a technical person at all some sort of just general understanding? Like just, I like the Kathleen example. The system said to, you, you weren't weren't able to buy, you know, coffee at the store. It said no shoes. Well, that's an explanation. <laughs> it might have not detected your transparent sandals. That's a whole other situation on the computer vision. But uh, that's really what the idea is of algorithmic 
explainability. Exactly. So there's three main elements with the AI explainability and interpretability. The understandability and root cause explanations. So when AI systems fail to provide the expected results, then they should always provide a human understandable means to understand that root cause of failure, as we just talked about. You know, that a human that's not technical will be able to understand and accept that decision whether or not they like it. The algorithmic interpretability. So AI systems should provide a means to interpret AI results so that cause and effect can be understood, even when there's limited algorithmic explainability. So if you choose an algorithm that is just not explainable, make sure that you have a means to interpret the results. Um, And then algorithmic explainability. So AI systems should use algorithms that provide a direct means to explain how outcomes were arrived from the input data that the system used. So when we looked at these frameworks and looked at their algorithmic explainability, um, we found that France and the French Data Protection Authority actually checked all of the boxes for the understandability, interpretability, and explainability. Um, And this is interesting because for most of these frameworks, almost no frameworks actually hit all of the boxes in any category, not just this one. In the U.S. and the White House and their Executive Order 13960, they do actually a pretty good job of identifying needs for explainability in an ethical AI framework. Over in India, um, for their ethics and human rights, they provide a good definition of goals for understandability and explanation. Um, Their focus is on understandability for the purposes of giving users disclosure and the ability to contest the results as well. So overall, um, this understandability versus explainability, we need to acknowledge the differences of algorithmic explainability with these common sense explanations. Mm -hmm. So... One of the interesting things about all this is that if you have been listening in here and you've been noticing what we've been talking about, um, very few of the ethical AI frameworks that are out there that we've seen, well, not even very few, the answer is none, were comprehensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little a little, uh, little insight there. Um, and that's because, um, well, you know, they were concerned, each of them are concerned with different aspects of, of AI ethics. I mean, it's not that they're bad. It's just that, you know, they, they address certain slices of it. And we were doing this analysis. We're like, hey, that's interesting. You know, we have all of these societal ethics concerns, right? All of these ideas from human values all the way to respecting the environment and everything in between. And we have these other aspects of responsibility and these aspects of transparency and governance and explainability and interpretability. We're like, well, you know, couldn't we just collect and put together, what, can we create something that is comprehensive? Because we haven't actually, the interesting thing about doing this analysis, it's not like there's another entire category of ethics. After doing these 60, uh, you know, analysis of 60, if another 100 ethical frameworks came out here, we would probably be able to find within these categories where the different ethical concepts fit in. And, you know, maybe there'll be an additional concept or two that we just like, oh, yeah, we, we forgot to talk about that. But by and large, this is pretty comprehensive. So we're like, well, why don't we just take everything, we could put it together, and we can create a comprehensive ethical AI framework that does actually touch on each one of these concepts from each of these different aspects of ethics, right? Exactly. 
Now, we know that we have talked a lot about this topic today, the ethical frameworks, and we're really just scratching the surface. So Cognolytica has produced and published, as of April 2021, our State of Ethical AI Frameworks. This is a very thorough evaluation of those 60-plus ethical frameworks that we said that we really looked into and, you know, analyzed and took apart we, in this report that we've produced, we provide normalized definitions and means for comparison. As we mentioned at the beginning of this, not all definitions are the same, and this is not always easy to compare one ethical framework versus another due to some terminology, some regional differences, and also just the way that they're written as well. In our report, we provide guided questions for buyers and builders of AI systems. Our reports now have these guided questions because they're they're a way for the user to really um, ask the right questions so that they get the correct answers if they're looking to buy AI systems, or if they're looking to build AI systems, make sure you touch upon these. The report is large. It is about 150 pages with a very comprehensive overview of each of these frameworks. So it's available for free, as always, to Cognolytica research subscribers. Please go and download the report if you're interested in reading it. And it's also available for individual purchase if you are not a Cognolytica research subscriber. So um, as we were hinting, one of the additional things that we did um, as part of this analysis were like, well, there is no comprehensive ethical framework. We can't say one is best. We actually can't say one is worst either. They're just they're just all different. You know, they all slice the pie in different ways. We're like, well, let us collect the best. You know, we're not going to claim any uh, you know ownership of the best ideas. We're just going to gather all these ideas from all these different sources. Kind of maybe clean up the terminology a little bit to make it less vague, and and put together a comprehensive ethical AI framework of our own that we would like to share with you. And this is something we're making available for wide distribution for free. You know, it's released under the Creative Commons uh, attribution, non-commercial share alike of 4.0 terms, which means that you're welcome to, to use it in any context. You're even welcome to expand upon it. Remix is the word that they use in Creative Commons. Um, just, you know, uh, don't charge for it. Obviously, don't make it a commercial thing. And if you do build on it and you share it, Please share. You need to share under the same terms, right? We're not trying to create lock-in here. We want people to be inspired uh, by an ethical framework that combines the best of all these concepts and is comprehensive. It addresses every single one of those things we talked about. This framework addresses. Um, and if we find the thing that that comes out that it doesn't address, we will add it to it and it will address it. So go to the Cognolytica <laughs> site, um, look for it. Um, we're going to provide links at all these places that we're talking about it. Um, you know, look look for the Cognolytica Comprehensive Ethical AI Framework. It's free to use and um, download it and share it. And we hope it inspires you if you're uh, looking to build your own ethical framework or you want to use it as a way to measure the AI systems you're buying or using uh, to how various how much visibility you have in each of those principles, or if you're building AI systems of your own and you want to give your development team guidelines to say, don't, don't be bad on purpose or not, you know, <laughs> let's not be random. Let's, let's do things. That are, then, then the ethical, this AI ethics framework we hope will serve as a basis for that. We know that we presented a lot of content today, but we're really excited to share this with you. If you're interested in viewing some of the content that we discussed in this podcast, we've also recorded a version of this as a webinar with slides. It has a little bit more visuals in there that, you know, we can't present on this 
audio version of our podcast. So if you're interested in checking out this additional webinar as well, we encourage you to do so. It's available at the Cognolytica site at cognolytica.com. That's C-O-G-N-I-L-Y-T-I-C-A.com. It'll be available as, of course, for free. And so we encourage you to check that out. And if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please make sure to rate us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. As always, we'll post any articles and concepts discussed in the show notes, including a link to our report, our ethics frameworks, and our companion uh, webinar as well. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you at the next podcast. And that's a wrap for today. To download this episode, find additional episodes and transcripts, subscribe to our newsletter, and more please visit our website at Cognolitica.com. Join the discussion in between podcasts on the AI Today Facebook group and make sure to join the Cognolitica Facebook page for updates on this and future podcasts. Also subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere to get notified of future episodes. Want to support this podcast and get your message out to our listeners? Then become a sponsor. We offer significant benefits for AI Today sponsors, including promotion in the podcast and landing page, and opportunities to be a guest on the AI Today show. For more information on sponsorship, visit the Cognolytica website and click on the podcast link. This sound recording and its contents is copyright by Cognolytica, all rights reserved. Music by Matsu Gravas. As always, thanks for listening to AI Today, and we'll catch you at the next podcast.